I'm Steve White, a Suns fan since 1988, and you're listening to the Suns Solar Panel Podcast. The third installment, the final installment of the trial of McDonough. My name is Tim Tompkins. I am your judge today. And as the previous two episodes, uh, we're sticking with the defense, Mr. Greg Esposito. Oh, hoy, hoy, your honor. And of course, the prosecution, none other than Mr. Dave King. Hey, hey, hey. Okay. How's it going, so, everybody? Great. Fat Albert prosecuting Dave. Uh, hey, prosecuting hey, hey. Man, you guys are crazy. Uh, so really excited to get started. Uh, we're, we're going to go into essentially um, whether or not Ryan McDonough um, improved or ruined the Suns culture. So far within this, we have talked about individual trades and transactions, um, as well as whether or not the Suns were in a better place after Ryan McDonough left as opposed to when he started. During the episode, uh, chime in with your questions um, as the juror, as the watcher, either for the prosecution or the defense, and I will make sure that I get those in at the appropriate time. But before we get started with this final segment of the trial, we had a little bit of a three-way debate. Um, not the first time that uh, we've had a three-way between us here on the show. Hey, now. Uh, talking. Oh, about- <laughs> hey, now. That was Vegas, uh- and it's supposed to stay in Vegas, Tim. We were essentially, um, Espo had sent over a top five, and Espo said, this is pretty spot on. The top five that top five sons of all time that were listed in this was Steve Nash, Kevin Johnson, Walter Davis, Charles Barkley, and Amari Stoudemire. Oh, hold on, let's, starting five lineup, ESPN put it out. Not, not top five of all time, that's different. It's basically all point guards, but starting five, all, to, all time starting five. Yeah. Right, well, right. Per, per position, right? Yes. Um, yeah, so uh, 100%. And then it was interesting because I was like, well, where's Devin Booker? And, of course, Greg chimed in that, uh, you know, he, he doesn't deserve to be an um, all-time starting five shooting guard yet for the Phoenix Suns. So figured we'd start that off and, and see what your guys' take is on it. Like, I'm not going to take a big enough beating in this episode as it is with what uh, what we're doing. <laughs> you have to start it off like that. like As if I said, Devin Booker's trash. Like, headline. Espo, Espo is dick when it comes to Devin Booker. Like, uh, let's, let's make it clear. I simply said Devin Booker isn't the greatest shooting guard of all time on this team yet, especially if you're going to wind up doing the uh, uh, the way that ESPN went where they basically turned Kevin Johnson into a shooting guard despite being a point guard. Hey, so- hey let me just talk for just a second so I can get myself on screen <laughs> so everyone isn't staring at the fact Tim left the goddamn room again at least he unbuttoned- during the show. At least he unbuttoned his jacket. Before yeah, I've got to at least say a few things so my face pops up <laughs> and, and you don't look at an empty chair of Tim's. So so let, let me make this. I was not saying Devin Booker is not great i was not saying that he's not a star and i was not saying that he does not have the potential to be the greatest shooting guard of all time when it comes to the phoenix suns what i simply was saying is as of yet he is not in the top five if you're building a starting lineup of greatest sons at each position. He's not there yet, especially if you're going to be able to shift one of the all-time great point guards there. I mean, you're talking about Steve Nash, Hall of Famer. Kevin Johnson's a borderline Hall of Famer. Uh, 
Guys that won in the playoffs. Uh, You're looking at it. I'd even argue Paul Westfall probably deserves uh, the shooting guard spot before Devin Booker at this point. And that's not saying with another few years Devin wouldn't be there. But I'm not letting recency bias make my decision on an all-time list. Uh, Just because Devin Booker's been great so far. Maybe we should actually just stay with the all-time list instead of you making your argument. Let's let's uh, let's go with what the all-time list was that that ESPN gave um, an all-time starting lineup, which means a, a representation in each of the positions. Steve Nash and Kevin Johnson were the guards. Walter Davis and Charles Barkley were the forwards. And Amari Stoudemire was put in there at center because he played center during the seven seconds or less. So Steve Nash had um, had two MVPs as a point guard starting for the Suns. Charles Barkley had one MVP as a power forward starting for the Suns. Kevin Johnson made three All-Star games and five All-NBA teams. Walter Davis made six All-Star games and two All-NBA teams. And Amari Stoudemire was with the Suns five and five, five All-NBA, five All-Star uh, and uh, one more of each when he went with the Knicks um, after signing that fully guaranteed $100 million contract that he earned about $20 million of. Um, so we've got an all-time starting five for the Phoenix Suns that ESPN put out, um, and we're arguing whether anybody else should be in that lineup. Um, Booker, I think, maybe someday. But gosh, when you're going up against a pair of guards, that one, one of them has two MVPs, and another one has three all-star games and five all-NBA teams, Devin Booker just isn't there yet. Exactly. It doesn't mean he won't get there, but he isn't there yet. He has one all-star game. He possibly, maybe, on a very small chance, might make all-NBA this year. That means you've got to be one of the top six guards in the entire league. I don't know that he's going to do that. I'm pretty sure he won't, actually, because they didn't win enough games. Um, but I certainly think Devin Booker has a huge future and could be one of the greatest sons of all time by the time he's done. Uh, but as of now, he is not deserving of an all-time starting five. That's a little bit too insulting to the rest of the uh, point guards and guards that have played for the Suns. I mean, you could make a case that Paul Westfall should be in there uh, because he led the team to the finals once, and he had several all-star games as well. Um, other arguments for the Suns' all-time starting five? I mean, where's Sean Marion? Sean Marion had four all-star games and two all-NBA teams. And uh, while he didn't make all defense for some strange-ass reason, he did uh, finish in the top five of Defensive Player of the Year voting, which has different voting than all-star or all-NBA teams, um, a couple of times. And so Sean Marion is actually the first alternate on that team, and I would actually think about putting him in ahead of Walter Davis, and not just because I didn't see much of Walter Davis's career. just means Sean Marion brought more to the table than Walter Davis ever did, I believe. And so I'd actually argue Sean Marion should be in there with Nash, KJ, Barkley, and Stoudemire. Yeah, I think I think it's it's pretty close with those two guys, and uh, either either is fine. I don't I don't think there's a, an egregious uh, uh, you know it's egregious that it, with either of them in there. But I agree, Sean Marion perpetually is the underrated superstar. Uh, of this son's uh, this son's team uh, when he was here it was the case after the fact it's the case but that guy borderline hall of famer deserves to be in the ring of honor uh, if if he's not in the top five he's number six he's your your sixth man with this group Sean Marion very very underrated and very very deserving uh, of uh, of 
being praised as one of the best sons of all time. And if you look at the uh, at the all time uh, rankings uh, and stats, he's up there with with all these guys. The other guy you might be able to argue uh, at center uh, is Alvin Adams. If if you wound up trying to uh, shift Amari, but the problem is with Barkley, you're never going to put Amari at, at, at power forward. And Amari uh, deserves his yeah. spot there. I mean, Alvin was a unique talent, but uh, is not going to surpass uh, is not going to surpass Amari. Now, if we're talking, if we're looking for lifetime achievement awards, then you might go you know with the organization in multiple yeah. ways, kind of like the Basketball Hall of Fame does, uh, where it's it's your overall career in basketball. Then Alvin has a stronger shot, um, especially with the Suns franchise. But uh, certainly as a top five ever. I would think that um, you've got to, you you can't put him in that top five. No, yeah, agreed. And I I think, you know, there's a different debate if you're looking at most interesting lineup to put together to actually play a game as opposed to this discussion, this hypothetical that ESPN put out there, which was simply, uh, you know, the top five at each position of all time. Because if we're talking lineups to put together to try to win one game or one series, I probably put Devin Booker at shooting guard because him with Nash make quite an interesting pairing. But top five, he's just not there yet. Um, all right, so before we before we get into it, I do want to think a moment to... Um, to take a moment to to thank a listener and to really pour one out for a listener as well, Jake Rogner, who has been a, a longtime supporter of the show. Um, uh, about a week ago, he lost his 11-year-old dog, Jaden, uh, who passed oh. away from blood cancer. She was an 11-year-old German Shepherd. Um, Jake, uh, you know, we're very sorry to hear about it. And um, uh, she looked like a beautiful dog, though. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry for your loss, Jake. Sorry. That's awful when you lose a. A longtime family member like that. Sorry, Jake, but thank you, uh, thank you for listening, and hope uh, we can at least bring a, a little joy uh, to you in a, in a tough time, my friend. What's going to be the joy is seeing the defense, Mr. Greg Esposito, uh, defend Ryan McDonough uh, and his impact on the culture and his people skills for the Phoenix Suns. So just to give you guys a reminder, as the defense and the prosecution are making their statements, they're going to have their opening um, their opening arguments and they're going to submit evidence and then they're going to have their, their closing arguments as well. To put the questions into the chat, as part of the jury and when it's the appropriate time, I will go ahead and ask those questions for you. So this week is about the, did Ryan McDonough ruin the culture for the Phoenix Suns? Just to put some of the rules out there, either side can object and I will rule whether the argument is allowed. Opening and closing arguments should go no longer than five minutes. And I do have the right to cut you off. Um, the evidence is submitted for consideration, as we talked about already. Opening statement is going to go to the prosecution this week. Prosecutor, thank you so very much. You have five minutes starting now. All right. I hope everybody's impressed with my full suit um, that I've got on today. This is the first time I've put on, uh, it, for anyone who doesn't know, if you're watching this like three years from now, uh, this is right in the middle of the pandemic. I haven't worn a jacket in three months, so I appreciate uh, you guys' appreciation of my dapper skills. Thank you very much. Objection, Your uh, Honor. Nobody cares that Dave actually decided, or excuse me, the prosecution actually decided to uh, dress like a human today. Overruled. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tim. 
<laughs> um, so I've got five minutes for my for my argument. Gosh, this is about whether Ryan McDonough ruined the culture and basically had awful people skills. I don't even know that I need five minutes for this opener, but I'll just give you all a quick recap. Um, we, we've got a guy who first, the very first time, and this is when we we're all still in the honeymoon phase and we thought Ryan McDonough was great and we called him Mick Stunner and all that. He literally came into uh, his first summer saying, my job is to upgrade the talent on this roster and to make this roster a better, uh, better roster top to bottom. Um, as it turns out, he probably had more talent the day he started than the day he left, but uh, the defense was able to properly, was able to argue that two weeks ago and won over the, um, the uh, live jury. Although when I posted a vote on brightsideofthesun.com, I won decidedly, of course. Uh, so, Objection, uh, Your Honor. Uh, we do not care about Bright Side of the Sun in this uh, trial. Yeah, okay. Uh, com is the awesome, the best place for all Suns coverage. Okay, first first summer he said, we really need to upgrade the roster. Two, and then he had a great, wonderful Cinderella season, and then he destroyed the team by letting Channing Fry go. Channing Fry is one of the greatest guys ever to play basketball for the Phoenix Suns as a person. He recovered from a, uh, from a heart condition, and he came back to play the entire 13-14 season, and between him and Goran Dragic became one of the best pick-and-roll or pick-and-pop duos in league history at 1.3 points per uh, pick-and-pop. And it was just amazing to watch. And then they just froze him out after the season was over, and they said, nah, we don't need you. We're going to let you go because we're going to shoot for somebody who would never come to Phoenix, which is LeBron James. Um then he obviously then he's got the next the trade deadline of 2015. Well, first he brings in Isaiah Thomas uh, to totally ruin the point guard culture while re-signing Eric Bledsoe and keeping Goran Dragic. And then he's okay with Dragic being a small forward most of the uh, three the next three months. And then Dragic insists on being traded. Isaiah Thomas was bitching and moaning, so he gets traded. And so McDonough trades two of his three point guards from the Hydra in five minutes. And then after the trade, what does he say? We got the best player coming and coming or going, and Brandon Knight. Who remembers Brandon Knight, by the way? Isaiah Thomas made an all-star game. Uh, Goran Dragic made an all-star game after that. Brandon Knight is an all-star of knee procedures, possibly. I don't know which, which all-star team he's going to make, but it's certainly not an NBA plan one. Um, and the best game he had after leaving the Suns, Brandon Knight, by the way, was against the Suns uh, about two months ago um, in, a, in, a, in a surprising win for his Cleveland Cavalier team. Um, okay, so you've got, you've got, no, sorry, Detroit Pistons. Um, so you've got um, just a guy ruining the culture. He, he traded away some good players. He had people insisting on going out. Objection, um, Your Honor. This isn't about uh, transactions. This is about culture. And uh, No, this is the culture of people demanding to leave after having starting positions for an NBA team. Overruled. Thank you. Demanding to leave. I don't want to be here. I don't trust this team anymore. You have one it's a, minute. It's a brothel on two wheels. Remember that? I mean, come on. This is crazy. This is nuts. Even even Jared Dudley probably thinks it was a terrible uh, chemistry situation here, and he's the one who tried to help right the ship, and, and the ship was not rightable. Uh, so I, I just think is. It's really a slam dunk, and this is going to be the easiest easiest of the three arguments for me these last three weeks. Are you done? Yes. Okay. You need to make some sort of statement, prosecutor, that says that you 
Ah, I uh, I have finished my opening statement. Now the defense can make an attempt to gla- gaslight you. Overruled. <laughs> defense. So you're not going to uh, let the defense go then. You have five minutes. Uh, the Honorable Bill Nye, thank you for uh, providing me with my opportunity to speak. Uh, I'm just a simple, small-town, frozen caveman lawyer. I do not understand your big ways or, or what the prosecutor uh, is trying to do here. I, this, is, this is pretty simple uh, when it comes down to it. If we're talking culture and, and who ruined it, that happened long before Ryan McDonough ever walked into the doors at Talking Stick Resort Arena or whatever it was called at the time. Uh, I believe it was the uh, U.S. Airways Center when he walked in the doors. And when you look at it, this culture was set back by the previous regime. In particular, and we talked about him in the first phase of this trial, Lance Blanks, who said, we're not ever going to talk about the past of the Phoenix Suns. Remove anything that talks about the past of the Phoenix Suns. Charles Barkley, uh, Steve Nash, uh, the, the 1976 team, take it all out. None of this on level zero, which is where the players practiced. None of it down, uh, down near the locker rooms. None of it. Those people never won anything. I'm not talking about any of them. Forget about the past. This franchise will not discuss its culture or the, what was built previous to me being here. And that is literally the way that went down, right? And that was the beginning of the end for the Phoenix Suns culture when you looked at it. The Everything about the past was was pushed out, right, And in that moment. And it started prior to that. Ownership, obviously not a big fan of Jerry Colangelo, so a lot of things were pushed in that way. But that was really the moment when, when you let Steve Kerr, one of the greatest all-time human beings uh, and minds in basketball that understands people, go. You let Rick Welts leave. At that point, and then you bring in Lance Blanks to run uh, the basketball side of things. Uh, that was the moment that the Suns' culture was ruined. It was long before Ryan McDonough walked into the room that the Suns' culture was ruined. There were issues long before Ryan McDonough came in here. All right. He had a lot of mess to clean up. Culture issues, uh, if you want to talk locker room, the more I were here long before Ryan McDonough showed up, that was a culture issue. That was a locker room poisoning. That was a problem, right? Those are issues. Lance Blanks ran off Alvin Gentry, who was a great person uh, and locker room person. That was a, a person that helped define culture even within the chaos of a Lance Blanks uh, run uh, front office, right? They let him go. They replace him with Lindsey Hunter. Lindsey Hunter, one of the worst coaches of all time and pretty crappy human being who stabbed uh, stabbed his head coach in the back so he got the opportunity to become the interim head coach. That is culture problems. That is is deteriorating the bedrock of what a what a, a organization is built on. Right? When you look at it, the Phoenix Suns were at bankrupt when it came to culture when Ryan McDonough walked in. Now you can argue did he make it much better? Yeah. I, I, that's that's an argument that I'm sure the prosecution will get into. But if we're talking about who ruined the culture, it happened long before Ryan McDonough. This culture was ruined previous 
to Ryan McDonough, and Ryan McDonough was trying to rebuild what he could. He reinstated uh, things from the past. He he brought that back into the locker room. He brought uh, you know people back around the franchise from uh, from previous regimes. He even brought back a, a great son uh, in Jeff Hornacek to try to reinstill some of the previous culture. Uh, were there issues? Yes. Communication is is something that is an art form. But it's a two-way street. It comes from players have to communicate with the front office. The front office has to communicate with players. And it, it that's a two-way street. You can't just hang that on one guy. Oh, and when you have an ownership or an owner that puts goats in your office to let them crap there, think about it. It's a bizarre culture, even without the general manager uh, being involved in it at that point. So, overall, I will prove throughout this uh, this phase of the trial that culture was defined and destroyed long before Ryan McDonough uh, took charge. I I, re- I, I rest my uh, my opening statement, Your Honor. Thank you, defense. We do have a question from a member of the jury. This is from MT defense or from MT. Excuse me. Uh, This is directed to you, Mr. Esposito. He says you stated that the culture was ruined before Ryan McDonough. That's edited right there. Came to Phoenix. What specifically did he do to improve the culture? Well, like I mentioned, he uh, brought back in uh, embracing the past, right? In, in particular, uh, the guys like Steve Nash and, and uh, also Charles Barkley, the greats, what, what this, or what this uh, organization was built on. He, he embraced that and he brought it back in and they put it back uh, on the lower level and they put it back in the locker room. And it was a reminder of these are the guys that you are trying to live up to. This is, this is what the standard was set at. All right, so that was a big part of, of trying to bring uh, bring this back. Uh, he he brought you know he kept guys uh, around the organization like Mark West and, and brought Jeff Hornacek back and, and maybe it didn't end uh, in the way that it was supposed to uh, with with Jeff Hornacek in particular. But if you look at it, uh, he he tried to embrace what made this uh, this franchise this city special, uh, and that was key. He also brought he brought an understanding of championship culture, having been with the Celtics for as long uh, as he had, and he tried to instill certain things. But the problem is. If you're trying to instill a championship culture, it starts at the top, and you have to all believe in and buy into what you're trying to do. Culture is not a one-person thing. It's an entire organization, and everybody needs to row in the same direction. If you're not, you just spin around in a circle and you accomplish nothing, and that was part of the problem here. He had a vision. He tried to instill it, but without an entire organization believing in it, buying into it, doing exactly what's necessary to create that culture, Time. you don't get there. Thank you very much, defense. Also, thank you to the jury for submitting the question. The jury, we are going to move on to the evidence phase of this, where the prosecution and the defense have their turn to submit their evidence for your consideration. If you do have any follow-up questions for either the prosecution or the defense, simply put it in the chat uh, to the side, and I will make sure to ask on your behalf. Um, both Defense and prosecution have eight minutes to submit their evidence. We're going to start again with the prosecution. Prosecutor, it's now your opportunity.
Apparently the prosecution fell asleep, Your Honor. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and go with the defense then while we figure out where the prosecutor went. He, he and He may have pressed the defense. Oh, sorry. I have myself on mute. I apologize. Man, I started talking and everything. I'm like, why aren't they listening to me? Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So thank you, Your Honor. Thank you, jury. Thank you. Uh, no, never mind. No thank you to the third person. Um, okay. We are now going into the evidence portion of this trial, this charge. This charge is, did Ryan McDonough ruin the culture? The charge is that Ryan McDonough ruined the culture of the Suns. The defense is trying to tell you that the culture was already ruined, him coming in. And that is uh, true. But the job of the GM, the job of the number two man in the entire organization is to make the culture better, make it a professional culture, make it a, a place that people want to be. You remember the past. I remember the past. People wanted to come here to play for the Phoenix Suns. It was a place that people wanted to be. Now it's a place people, uh, until until Ryan McDonough left, it became a place people wanted to leave. I mean, as much as we didn't like the Morris brothers, they wanted to leave so badly that they that they made it a clown show in, in public social media and all that. And guess what? They have not been problems in any of their future locations. They made, uh, Ryan McDonough made Goran Dragic want to leave. No one in the history of the world has made Goran Dragic want to leave their presence. He's such a nice guy. He is the greatest, nicest individual that I've met. And he suddenly turned on the Suns. You know why? Because he said, Ryan McDonough promised him that he would get his starting job back after, uh, after McDonough brought in Isaiah Thomas and, and re-signed Eric Bledsoe to start ahead of him, to play ahead of him in the guard positions, and shoved Goran Dragic to a corner spot in the small forward on that lineup. Uh, Ryan McDonough made promises all fall that he would rectify the situation that he created. And Dragic finally ran out of patience and demanded a trade at the trade deadline. Then what did Ryan McDonough do? Instead of going, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll make it work for you. No, he traded Goran Dragic away. One of the nicest guys in the history of the, of the franchise. This was after letting Channing Frye go. Another one of the nicest guys in the history of the franchise. Just let him walk without even talking to him in the offseason. They made an, a, a, a terrible contract offer to Channing Frye to come back um, that was insulting, and Frye had to leave. <clears throat> um, and that's just the beginning. Isaiah Thomas, after feeling welcomed in the sales pitch, never felt welcomed after playing uh, while playing for the Suns. The the Morris brothers wanted to leave. Um, you've got you've got so many people who wanted to leave, and everybody felt disenfranchised, felt disconnected. And then you know what? The only one who was kind of happy throughout the entire time he was actually here was Eric Bledsoe. But let's recap what happened to Eric Bledsoe. First of all, in his first summer after after exploding onto the scene and helping the Suns go, I believe it was 23-8 and eight with him and Goran Dragic in the starting lineup. Um, Eric Bledsoe missed the rest of that or most of the rest of that season, uh, that first season, um, while Dragic tried to carry the team. And then what, what happened? There was a whole summer freeze-out of Eric Bledsoe holding out for a max contract that he probably should have just been given on day one. And the Suns were unable to get that, make that happen. So they had to fill in with Isaiah Thomas as a, as a maybe backstop for injuries, which I at the time argued that was probably a good idea. But nobody set the expectations properly to make sure Isaiah Thomas was okay coming off the bench. If Eric Bledsoe resigned and Goran Dragic was in the starting lineup with him, a, such a convincing starting lineup. And then 
then Eric Bledsoe plays plays very well for the Suns. Almost, you know, is, is worthy of all-star consideration. And what do the Suns, what does Ryan McDonough do? He sits him down for the second half of Bledsoe's best season ever and tells him he's not going to play for the last 30 games because they want to lose games. How did that, that make Bledsoe feel? I remember Espo, and Espo's not going to bring this up because he's not arguing this side of the, of the coin today. He brought Eric Bledsoe onto a radio podcast uh, that spring, and Bledsoe said that he was offended by being sat down for that uh, for the rest of that season. He was unhappy with it. He was uncomfortable with it. And guess what happened after that? Bledsoe had one more kind of quiet season, and then he demanded a trade. Demanded a trade uh, as a starting point guard of a great of a of a team that was supposed to be up and coming with a team with a good future. Demands a trade. Uh, aligns himself with the coach, aligns himself with his agent, and goes against the Suns. That is terrible culture. Ryan McDonough had no ability to do. And I haven't even touched on that 2015 trade deadline on Ryan McDonough go, getting into a press conference and saying he's got the best player coming and going in Brandon Knight after trading away two future All-Stars in Goran Dragic and Eric Bled- uh, excuse me, or uh, Goran Dragic and Isaiah Thomas. And now Eric Bledsoe, is, uh, he's going to make an all-defense team for the second time probably. Uh, where uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks after being traded, they're all these good players insist on leaving. You know you've got a culture problem. Everyone knows they've got a culture problem. And Marcin Gortat um, talks about it in history. Now he was here with the prior regime, of course. He was here with a uh, Babby and Blanks, and he called it a brothel on two wheels. Well, you know what? The Suns didn't get any better. It just didn't get any better, and it was Ryan McDonough's job to make it better. Let me show you evidence that Brian McDonough could have. Ryan McDonough could have made it better. You can argue that somebody else was in charge of this team and, and is the reason that the Suns are worse. But guess what? James Jones has suddenly made things better. Uh, we can all see it. Uh, Everyone knows that James Jones made the team better, and all he did was replace Ryan McDonough. Ob- objection, hearsay. Uh, it's not the case. but James overrule. Jones has made the team better. You cannot object and overrule yourself. Be quiet over their defense. Um, you know, you've got it. You've got uh, James Jones actually making the team better and more believable, more professional. People love playing for this team, and they want to stay playing for this team. And all it took was one person change. That's that's my evidence. I don't need any more evidence than that. Okay, so you're you're resting your argument for now? I am resting my argument for now. Exactly. I don't even think I need to make any more arguments. Well, I mean, if you're going to give me more time, I'll just talk about Brandon Knight some more. He was supposed to be the best player coming and going. Objection. You, you, already, you already rested. No, I'll just keep going. If, he's not gonna, if you're not going to, like, jump, I'll keep going if you want no, me to. I'll, I'll jump. It is now the defense's turn. <laughs> uh, defense, you now have eight minutes to submit evidence. Just a reminder to people watching live, you are the jury. If you do have a question for either the prosecution or the defense, so put it in the chat, and I will ask following the evidence portions of uh, the trial. Defense, you now have eight minutes. Uh, the prosecu- prosecution is going to try to hoodwink and, and bamboozle you here. He tries to tell you that uh, in, in one year, James Jones has had more success than Ryan McDonough. I'd like it 
the jury to think back to the first year of Ryan McDonough's tenure, a 48-win season, uh, one of the most exciting we've seen in over a decade in Phoenix. The team loved each other. Everybody uh, had a great time. They just barely missed the playoffs, being the most wins ever in NBA history not to make the playoffs. So if there's an argument about one season that we're going to make here in the culture, Ryan McDonough had a significantly better first season than James Jones did. So just to make that point, if we're going to play small samples, theater here. What the prosecution also forgets is the fact that it was not just Ryan McDonough. He said, oh, Ryan McDonough, number two in the organization, you know, should be able to make an impact. Well, for a big portion of it, he wasn't even number two. He was number four on the org chart behind Lon Babby, who was the president of basketball operations, uh, and, and the president of business operations, Jason Rowley, and uh, the obviously the owner uh, in Robert Sarver. And we have not talked about Robert Sarver yet for for majority of this. Who sets the culture? It starts at the top. It permeates all the way down through an organization. And having seen uh, Robert Sarver, I truly believe he wants to win, but he gets uh, he he messes things up along the way. He interjects himself in deals. He interjects himself in promises with players. He interjects himself with coaches in coaches' offices after games. That's a big problem of culture. You can't ignore a major factor like that when it comes to how you're defining a culture. It undermines somebody like a general manager who's trying to make changes, and. When the honeymoon phase is over for any GM, uh, like uh, like it wound up being for Ryan McDonough, it becomes increasingly difficult to define a culture when the guy at the top is trying to define it himself. And that doesn't mean the guy at the top isn't trying to do what is right in, in his mind. It just means if you're not in alignment, neither person is going to get uh, get what they want of the situation because there is a, a, a fundamental misalignment at that point and you can't build culture when there's a fundamental disalignment from people at the top of your organization that is a major pillar here right and if we're talking about did ryan mcdonough ruin the culture the prosecution admitted the culture was ruined before he got here that ryan mcdonough didn't necessarily fix it but he did not ruin it so if the charges did he ruin the culture the answer is no that goes strictly to the previous general manager in Lance Blanks, who wound up taking a roster that had multiple Hall of Famers. It had Steve Nash. It had Grant Hill. It had leadership. It had a head coach in Alvin Gentry, who was good at, at leading the way, and he wound up devolve, devolving it into... Exactly what Marcin Gortat called it, a brothel on two wheels. You had Lindsey Hunter as a head coach. You had Michael Beasley as your star. Like, that's where culture goes awry. When somebody totally dismantles what had a strong culture, replaces it with a sideshow, uh, and then leaves it for the next guy to clean up, uh, and leaves parts that become a, part, a large part of the the unrest in a locker room and the more I there for the next general manager. That's where culture goes off the rails. And it's much tougher or it's much easier to destroy culture initially than to rebuild it after the fact. And that's what Ryan McDonough was tasked with and tasked with doing it with a structure in, in the organization that made it difficult in and of itself. Because as much as I like Lon Babby, a strong personality, a guy who had very much had his own philosophy on what 
culture was. The five Ps he preached all the time. Uh, you, you had Robert Sarver, who had a different mindset of what culture was from when he was running a bank. And then you had Ryan McDonough coming in with championship experience in Boston, who had a thought of what culture was himself. And establishing it takes more than one guy, and ruining it took one guy uh, to, to do a lot of it uh, in Lance Blanks prior to Ryan McDonough getting here. Uh, the prosecution brings up the fact that, oh, well, Eric Bledsoe requested out. Well, we've talked about this uh, on this show previously, right? That it wasn't actually Ryan McDonough why, why Eric Bledsoe asked out. Ownership, uh, Eric Bledsoe said he wanted a new contract. He still had two years left on his deal, right? Money decisions run through ownership. It's not just the general manager making the decision. So they said no. So then ownership, unbeknownst to basketball operations, goes to uh, head coach Earl Watson and says, you got to fire Rich Paul. Rich Paul, who was the agent for for Watson and for Bledsoe. Rich Paul, a guy who's known for meddling within within organizations and kind of messing up culture in some of the places that he's meddled with. Uh, they wind up doing that. Earl Watson basically tells tells them to blow smoke. Eric Bledsoe catches wind of it. He demands a trade because now you're strong-arming a coach to fire an agent that the player has because the player asked for a contract. That's a mess. Guess what? The general manager had very little to do with that situation, right? Very little to do with one of a culture impacts. You bring up Channing Fry uh, as well, the prosecution does. Channing Fry was coming off major heart issues and surgery, right? And investing long-term and $35 million in Channing Fry was a questionable basketball move. Just because of the health. There were so many questions about his health. There was a chance that the year, the first year Ryan McDonough was here, he wasn't even going to play. That's how bad the heart condition was. It wasn't until media day that it was announced that it actually uh, was, uh, you know, it, that he actually was uh, going to play that season. So th- that that wasn't a culture thing. That was a, a questionable health and basketball uh, move. You don't invest long term in, in, in an asset that you're not sure can actually even play. So that to me, that's not a culture thing. A prosecution brings up Marcin Gortat. I've talked to Marcin Gortat. He, he's told me before that it was not Ryan McDonough that he ever had an issue with here in Phoenix. Culture is very difficult. Communication is a two-way street, and there's multiple people involved in that uh, in an organization. Was Ryan McDonough perfect? No. I've never argued in any of, uh, of this case that Ryan McDonough was perfect in any of these factors. But he was trying, he was playing with a stack deck, and he made his own mistakes. There's no denying that. There were issues. Isaiah Thomas, he never should have signed. He admitted that as much as himself that that was an issue, and that if he could take it back, he wouldn't have, uh, he likely wouldn't have signed him, and they would have figured out a way to make a Dragic and Bledsoe uh, work. And don't, please, we, Dragic has never said who made the promise to him. Objection for begging. Don't say please. <laughs> uh, it was more like, oh, please, uh, you're ridiculous prosecution, uh, not as in begging. Uh, so, look, in the end, if we're if the charge is did Ryan McDonough ruin the culture? No, 
you can't ruin something that was already cratered and destroyed by the time you got there. You can try to make it better. You can wind up failing at making it better and keeping it where it is. But the culture was already ruined uh, when when Ryan McDonough got there. And I think the evidence shows that as well as personal experience and my knowledge of the situation from the inside. I rest. Oh, thank you no. very rest my case. We do have we do have follow up questions from the jury before you both submit your closing arguments. Just a reminder for anybody watching: the closing arguments are on the entire trial, not just today. Both the defense and the prosecution will have eight minutes, but let's go ahead. Let's get these questions answered first. Uh, you both have 30 seconds to answer each question. The first one is for the prosecution. This is coming from Pat. He says, don't you think that Ryan just didn't have luck after his choices? Well, that's the culture part. You make the choices and then you make the choices work out with the team. The whole problem is the culture that these choices did not work out. Could Alex Len have been a better player? Maybe, maybe not. Alex Len, some players put their own limits on themselves. I've always argued that. However, <clears throat> the, uh, the culture did not allow these guys to succeed at all. The culture is changing out your coach every year. The culture is is hanging Jeff Hornacek, one of the most liked guys in the history of the NBA, to uh, to to twist in the wind. He hired his he fired Hornacek's assistants, assistant coaches, the month before he finally fired just Hornacek, and then put in the uh, Earl Watson as the interim after that, who had who had joined the team off on the end of the you know on the end of the bench. So, culture is what makes choices work out or or fail and so no that's that's my argument is it's it's brian mcdonough's fault that he had this bad luck so to speak after his choices were made uh question for the defense this is coming from p dog uh, again 30 seconds how can you justify the archie goodwin selection in the 2013 draft among many terrible draft picks by ryan well hey that's not a culture i think that was uh, established in the previous uh, previous thing, but that was end of the first round. It's a crapshoot. Uh, he may have had bad judgment in picking Archie Goodwin from a basketball perspective, but I don't think that defines defines culture in, in any way. Uh, you look at it, and uh, there were a lot of misses uh, from multiple GMs uh, in that first round. When you're looking at, I believe it was pick 28, or I think they traded for 27 with with Golden State. I, it, it, it's just I don't think that can define culture. It's a mistake from a pick-wise, but, again, end of the first round is a crapshoot regardless. Uh, last question. This one is for the defense. This is from Rick Johnson. Why fire Hornacek, a guy who was a winning player and proved he could get good things out of guys and was still winning before the myriad of trades in his second year as head coach? Can you repeat that? It, it cut out on me. Sure. Uh, he, Rick is asking, why fire Hornacek? It was a guy, a winning player, and proved that he could get good things out of guys and was still winning before the myriad of trades in his second year. I So the reason that Hornacek got let go is because the Morai basically ran rampant in the locker room and kind of messed with uh, his ability to lead that group. There was uh, just a, a loss of respect from half of the locker room because the Morai had kind of poisoned the well when it came to that, which put Jeff Hornacek in a, an impossible position. And when a coach loses the locker room, I don't believe you have much choice but to uh, 
to replace him or replace the entire roster, and you're not going to be able to replace an entire roster uh, as much as you could try uh, while while kind of flying the plane. So I think it was a a necessary evil uh, in terms of that because of uh, other people that had, uh, had poisoned the locker room. Thank you. Okay, so now the prosecution and the defense will give their closing arguments, eight minutes each, for the entire trial. This is the part where we need the jury to either convict or not convict Ryan McDonough um, of the Phoenix Suns. So as uh, the defense, who is going to go second, is getting close to being done. We're going to ask whether or not Ryan McDonough is guilty, and then the jury is going to decide. It does not have to be unanimous, because otherwise we would have no decision. Um, So let's go ahead and let's start. Prosecution, you now have eight minutes for your closing arguments on the trial of Ryan McDonough. All right. So to recap, the trial of Ryan McDonough, the first... The first charge that we uh, debated two weeks ago was, did he leave the team in a better place than when he started? And while the um, while the votes in the in the actual chat of that video, uh, you guys were you guys were won over by Espo's argument that McDonough left the team in a better place because of Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden. There, he actually left the team in a much worse place. There was there were all stars on the team that he had that he got rid of either through bad culture, bad transaction management, bad everything than he ever acquired for the Suns. Um, he, he just, he started with a much better team, even though they weren't winning. Uh, and he left with a team that has a chance to maybe one day with somebody else putting the rest of the roster together to become better. So, uh, that first charge was Ryan, was rather Ryan McDonough left the team in better place than when he started in 2013. The second charge was whether he was good at the transaction game, whether he had any ability to be a GM with his transactions. I just killed Espo in that section because it was just the the facts are the facts. He did a terrible job in making a selection, making his trades, and man, doing his free agency signings and all that. He was terrible at it. It's not even easy. It's not even. It's not even hard. It's really easy. It's not even hard for me to make that argument. It was just kind of a slam dunk the entire time. Now. After, after you have, after you have the, um, the, did he leave the team in a better place? Argued through, and then did he draft, trade, and free agent his way into the into a better team at any point? That argument's over. Now we're talking about what did he do with those players? What happened with those players after he drafted, traded for them, and free agented them? And what he did was is he ruined them. He he is the he is the head of the snake. He's the one who hired all the coaches. He's the one who hired the player development team uh, staff. He's he never let he always he always allowed um, the team to hire a coach that had never been an NBA coach before. Uh, the the assistant coaches were kind of ragtag, come and go. He never gave he never allowed any kind of authority to happen, um, uh, any kind of structure hierarchy structure to happen, and then the players ran rampant. Um, you, you talk about bad eggs, you know, Andy Buckdog in the, in the comments talked about bad eggs in the organization. Well, guess what? Ryan McDonough brought those bad eggs in and then he didn't manage them. He didn't actually get them into positions to succeed where they wouldn't complain. So many of the team's best players wanted out the entire time. That is evidence of a bad culture. That is evidence of bringing in the wrong players. And that is evidence of leaving the team worse than when you started. There's an argument in here that um, the culture was already ruined before McDonough 
got here. Well, you know what? He made it worse. The Suns became a laughingstock. They became where you didn't want to hear a national media person talking about the Suns because it would be a joke while Ryan McDonough was in charge. He was the head of this snake. He was the one who had his, his, his shit-eating grin uh, all, over the, all over the media and talking about how he was going to make the team a better team, and they weren't a better team. He never made them better. He never improved that mess that he, he started with. He actually left it worse. I, I, think, it's, I think it's just uh, ridiculous to argue that it wasn't his fault. And let me give you the best example to prove that it, that it was his fault over everybody else is just all James Jones had to do was come in and just be normal. All James Jones had to do was had to do was come in and just not lose every freaking transaction he ever made. All James Jones had to do was come in and respect people. He, he, he talked the owner into hiring a coach uh, and paying him for five years with a five-year guaranteed contract. So there's a little bit more stability. He talked the coach, he talked the owner into hiring a coach with experience that everybody would respect. He created a culture of respect. Frank Kaminsky, who would very easily and should be easily wanting to go to another team with a, to give him a better opportunity. Frank talks constantly about how he wants to stay with the Suns long-term. It's not about money. Of course, everybody needs a little bit of money, but it's not about money. Frank wants to be in this culture. He mentioned that he, the Suns have a good culture now with James Jones. The only thing that's changed is Ryan McDonough's gone. So when Ryan McDonough leaves and the culture gets better, that is perfect evidence that he ruined the culture of the team. His transactions are terrible. His tenure was terrible. We tried to talk ourselves into it. We tried to like the fact that he brought in a young... He, he froze out Lon Babby. And you know what? Lon isn't perfect. But at least Ron, Lon really meant well to the organization. He's still around. I've still seen him at games. And uh, he, he still helped um, reset the culture after Ryan McDonough left. And guess what? Lon got frozen out by Ryan McDonough. Um, Ryan McDonough talked Robert Sarver into letting Lon go and letting Lon quietly retire. And things got worse after that happened. So I just, I, you change one guy out. Ryan McDonough for James Jones, things get better. That's perfect evidence, and that's the only argument I need to make. Thank you, prosecution. Evidence, you now have your turn. Eight minutes at your closing statement for the entire trial of Ryan McDonough. So the argument that the prosecution just made is things got better when Ryan McDonough left, which is borderline acceptable. Uh, so an owner gets smarter to not uh, go cheap on hiring coaches uh, and, and finally learns from his lessons. And that's supposed to be on the previous guy who tried to convince him to hire, uh, hire guys uh, with, with experience. And he was never willing to open the wallet. How is that on, uh, on the previous general manager? That seems to be on the guy that makes the financial decisions and not the previous general manager. Also, you know why things were are, are easier for James Jones? Because Ryan McDonough built the foundation for him, so James Jones could come in and hire and sign a few, uh, a few fringe guys to make the bench better, and all of a sudden Objection this team's better. Objection to the use of the word foundation. You can, <laughs> foundation: Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton, which is an which is an argument that was established in the first part of this case, which I won by the way. That Ryan McDonough left the team better than when he got here, which makes it easier for James Jones to come in and tinker with things, and Dave to praise him as if he's made every change that made all the difference. Ryan McDonough 
as we established, left this team in a better place roster-wise than it was when he arrived. Now, in the, in the second part, and I admitted it even as the defense, transactions, there were questionable transactions along the way. But that does not change the fact that he left the team in a better place roster-wise with a future, with a chance to win uh, and potentially a championship with two potential superstars in Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And then uh, you look at it and, and Dave's trying, or excuse me, the prosecution is trying to tell you that Ryan McDonough destroyed the culture. Lance Blanks pushed the Phoenix Suns franchise down the stairs. Ryan McDonough had to come at the bottom of the stairs and try to clean up the bloody mess. All right? That's where this this is. And ownership plays a part, too, along the way. So you cannot convict a man of ruining a culture when somebody else ruined it, which the prosecution admitted, and he was trying to fix a broken system when nobody was in alignment as to what that culture was. If we're talking about ruining the culture, you cannot convict a man for trying to make it better in a messy situation. And maybe he didn't make it better, but he certainly did not ruin it. It was ruined when he walked in the door. So how do you convict a man for ruining something that was already a terrible, terrible situation? We're talking, again, when you look at it, Lance Blanks comes in and Steve Nash, Grant Hill, Alvin Gentry. You've got Hall of Famers, great coaches, uh, a, a, a pretty solid setup. He tears that down, brings in Michael Beasley, brings in the Morai, uh, brings in Lindsey Hunter as a coach. You want to talk about tearing down and, and chiseling at the bedrock of a foundation uh, and, and, and a culture, uh, stripping away the history of what made this team great in terms of the Steve Nashes, the Charles Barkleys, the reason most of us are fans and Lance Blanks wanted you to forget about all that and wanted the players to ignore that that ever happened here. Right. When that is what you do and that is what you walk into, as Ryan McDonough did, it is an uphill battle the entire way. And he, as we established in the first part of the trial, he made the roster better. In the end, he left with a left James Jones with a better team than he did. And by the way, there was a culture of of I don't want to say, man, you know what, I'll say. There, there was a culture of stabbing people in the back that was, that was established when Lance Blanks was here because Lindsey Hunter undermined his head coach, right? Set it up. And, and that was a culture that started there and I think continued where people were trying to undermine other people uh, throughout future regimes as well. So when culture is established there, and it starts at the top and it works its way down. I don't know how much one man could have done to try to salvage a situation. And you cannot praise James Jones for the one season he's done without looking back at Ryan McDonough's first season and remembering how much we thought he was the savior that changed everything and that this team was finally going to be a perennial playoff team again. Things take time. Culture takes time. It takes time to destroy. It takes time to rebuild. The time that it took to destroy it was before Ryan McDonough got here. He attempted to try to rebuild it. And maybe it got slightly better. I don't think it got worse. And I don't think you can convict him of ruining a culture that was already ruined and gone by the time he came here. I rest my case. 
So now we are going to go ahead and get votes. Again, this is on the entire trial of Ryan McDonough. Guilty or not guilty, we do need the jury to chime in. Just a couple of comments. I am a bit surprised that the defense did not mention in your closing argument that Ryan McDonough left the Suns with Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and a really great cap situation moving forward when he received the Suns, to your point, which you did mention, uh, Michael Beasley and uh, Scola. <laughs> that wasn't the whole roster when he received the Suns. <laughs> well, when he re- who, who, was, who was there when he received the Suns then? Dragic was uh, uh, another one. Goran Dragic, um, yeah. I'm, I'm forgetting now, but yeah, he had because more it was good trash. players on the, on the roster that he inherited than the no, ones he's left. No, he did not. I already argued that. Yeah, and you I already lost. Argued that. You That's lost impressively argued. on that one, if, if you remember, Mr. Prosecution. So you should probably stick to your transaction argument. <laughs> All right, I was I'm looking it up, but it's too late now. We've already made it. You guys keep going. I am uh, getting the votes from the jury. Look, I'd like. Are we voting on that? It's culture that he ruined the culture, or some larger thing? Because we're getting a lot of roster comments as to why he should be guilty, which was established. We're last voting time. on the whole thing. This is a whole. Uh, this no, is a whole why would thing we vote, vote on the whole thing when everything else has been about each part of it? That's not fair. The case today is ruined. We're not Tim voting already the whole thing. argued that. Tim already told us that this uh, vote is for the whole which, thing. Which I think is unfair. The uh, We voted on the other you two. You can't say that now. One, one on one. One to one. This was the deciding if who who made better arguments throughout. But at the this. end of a trial, it's not it's not at voted the end on. Of the trial, it's all charges. It's each yep. charge that you that you vote on. You don't vote as a whole. It's each charge that you're voted on. I. That's why you can be convicted of one thing and not others not in a trial. Guilty. Ryan McDonough was the guy who ruined this. Come on, this franchise is so much worse off with Ryan McDonough in charge the last few years. Come on, guys. If, if Lance Blanks murders the culture and Ryan McDonough shoots the body again, he's not charged for murder, as the argument was made in the chat The whole by thing Steven. is all three charges. It's Tim not laid that because out you get— here. The whole thing you, is all three you, charges. No, you convict people on separate charges. That's why a guy can, can get off on one charge and get, go to prison for another. Why you don't vote as a whole. And why is it an hour into this thing and you're just now pointing this out? Tim has talked about this the entire time. I, I'm just saying. He does. He does. He does make a pretty good point, Espo. No, well, that's rare, and Mr. Bill Nye. <laughs> Listen, the votes are still coming in. You know what? I'd like to thank everybody for sticking with us through this entire yeah, thing. Yeah, this has been great. You guys are awesome. This is like basically going, hey. You went through a bad breakup, and now we want you to sit through three hours of us arguing about said ba- bad breakup. So we appreciate you putting up with this and for encouraging us to finally dress like human beings for the first time in three months. That's been I nice, I know. Too. This is the first time I've put a suit on in three months. You guys got to give me props at least for that. There have been, And I comb my hair. Yeah. I'm usually in a hat. There have been three <laughs> hours since this pandemic started that I didn't wear a hat, and it's been the last three seconds. <laughs> Saturdays during this case. So no, thank you for that. I around with crazy hair because I don't have to worry about it. But man, this, uh, on the on the episodes I've been on the podcast, I've been wearing a hat for three years now. This is one yeah. of the, I can count on one hand how many times I've done one of these podcasts without a hat on in the morning, uh, on the morning shows. You guys have only ever seen my hair 
uh, on the evening shows. <laughs> like, you, you guys have made me, uh, given me immense amount of confidence in this really long hair. I've never rocked it this long, but I'm feeling good about it. Uh, I haven't I had my hair it. this long, and you guys can't tell uh, really on the on the pod, but on the on the YouTube. But um, I haven't had my hair this long, um, gosh, since like the years my kids were being born. Uh, since I was Greg's age, I guess. Uh, we do have a, a comment by a member of the jury. This is from Rick Johnson. He said, McDonough not guilty on the first offense, leaving the team better than when he got here, but it took six years, so there's an asterisk. Hey. Yeah, good point. The asterisk, it doesn't matter. The, the question is, did he or didn't he, not how long it took. There. No, hey, just just like just like in the bedroom, you're not judged on not to remember the worst times. I I am, I am a Ryan McDonough apologist, man. I, I still, I'll always appreciate Ryan McDonough. He made some, he made some mistakes. They're still uh, voting, Tim. Yeah, well, no, they're they're done. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We just got another not guilty there, so. Where, because some some of them are just repeating. Well, hey, Uh, count them each time if you. Hey, I, you know, I'd like the podcast listeners to just imagine my hair like uh, Fabio from the uh, late 80s, early 90s. That's the way this hair looks. Those of you on YouTube, you can make your own decision. But that's the, hey, I'm uh, trying the for the Tom Chambers look. I'm even trying to grow out the mullet in the back. He's wearing the so short shorts as well. It's great. He, he just teabagged yeah. Mark Jackson. He's all in on the Tom Chambers. Thing. I'm going. I'm going for it. I'm going for the Tom Chambers look on the on the Suns postgame shows. That's, that's what I'm going for. I'm even going to get, well, gonna get a, a deeper tan and longer hair, and yeah, this is all gonna. It's gonna be me and Tom. We do have we do have a decision. It looks like the um, largest amount of votes are going for guilty on Ryan McDonough. Yes, I find sad, <laughs> but I think Espo that you did a fantastic job defending Ryan. McDonough. Granted, the three of us voted six times each. <laughs> let, let me say this. Dave was basically given kindergarten work, and I was given advanced calculus. And Dave barely passed oh, no. his kindergarten work, no, and I figured a, out the advanced dud, calculus. A it's like it's like a fire a firecracker that doesn't crack. I mean, you were given a dud. That doesn't mean yeah. it was calculus. That just means you were handed a dud, and you and your job was to try to talk us into the fact that it would go off if they bought it from you. So you were you were put in a job of being a used car salesman, and uh, you somewhat succeeded. You even slicked your hair back for it, um, but really it was a slam dunk the whole time. Dave did kindergarten work and barely passed. I did advanced calculus and almost figured it out. That's that's. It's not advanced calculus when you're told to sell a, a dead firecracker Look. that that it can actually blow. Look, so I, no. I, MT said, "If I shave my head, it'll change his. Uh, it'll change his, uh, his vote. De- not guilty. On the Very show, tempting. Right now. Go Very tempting. I don't know. I will clippers. change my vote. I love get the Clippers and shave your head right I, now. I love Coach Co- Fallen Founder wants to know. I said, I figured you were one of the German villains uh, from '80s Die Hard movie. Yes, <laughs> I am Hans Br- Gruber's cousin." Uh, hired to defend <laughs> here. Uh, you know, I, I I enjoy this. This was this was fun, and uh, thank you because I needed a good laugh after uh, a difficult evening last night. So thank you to the <laughs> the jury and everybody uh, on the show. Uh, I I appreciate it. And now we have didn't, to come up Tim, with, with didn't content. we have a bet that the loser of this actually does shave their head? I no. thought we had that bet. There was no bet. 
No. <laughs> what kind of idiot would go, hey, uh, I'm going to give you the worst odds in the world, uh, and uh, <laughs> and we're going to have the same uh, the same thing on the line for each of you. I'm not that dumb. I may be dumb, but I'm not that dumb. Listen, you, you are both uh, incredibly smart, gentlemen. I uh, appreciate everybody that's tuned in for the three-part series. We'll be back next week with some sort of content. Not a clue what it is. <laughs> the trial uh, of sure Lance Blanks. About the upcoming season that's going to be set. <laughs> hopefully. But, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. But thank you all so very much for, for joining. Um, we appreciate you, and we'll be back again next Saturday, 7 o'clock Arizona time, if you're watching us live. Otherwise, whenever you feel like it, on the podcast.